The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome to the Rotowire Prospect Podcast, sponsored by WinBet. I'm Clay Link here with Rotowire.com's lead prospect analyst, James Anderson. And James, you're just coming off what you described in your article is really one of the most comprehensive, or probably the most comprehensive top 400 update in season that you've ever done. Uh, we, of course, in the fantasy world, thank you for your tireless work on this end. And uh, Obviously, we've all enjoyed diving into it, and that's what we're going to be doing on this show. Um, anything you want to throw out there ahead of time before we get into this latest update to your top 400? Well, yeah, just, I mean, just to kind of expand on that, um, I mean, the reason why it took so much time is, like, we, we knew there were going to be a lot of uh, like preconceived notions about how good prospects were coming into the year that were going to get proven wrong uh, more than in, in a typical year because it had been so long since we'd seen most of these guys. And so we just, we really didn't know where uh, certain guys were at from a talent standpoint. And th- it was inevitable that there were going to be more pop-up guys this year and, and pop-up guys in kind of a, a major way this year than in in previous years because of that amount of downtime in between the last minor league season. So, um, I mean, that's that's kind of what went into that. And and obviously, you know, I, I couldn't have done this really in uh, July. I mean, this was this was a you know like a three week process basically. I couldn't have done it in June or July because of the draft, and, and that was pretty much my main focus then. So. Um, this might be kind of uh, an annual tradition if, if they keep the draft at uh, the All-Star break. Um, this could be kind of annually the, the big in-season update of the year where, um, you know, you you do the draft update, the, the one right after the draft. But then this one um, after the rookie leagues have started up and everything could be the one where there's there's really just a ton of movement and a ton of new additions. Awesome, man. Well, look forward to diving into this. But before we do that, I just want to say, at the risk of jinxing ourselves, 
Uh, having a pretty good run in the main event. This momentum oh, we've got going here, James, seems pretty real. I mean, second in our <clears> league, <throat> 24th overall right now. I just want to tip the cap to you. And because, uh, you know, we, we talk a lot on the phone on Sundays, most Sundays, but a couple, you know, we didn't, and you handled Fab yourself, and you killed it. Abraham Toro, Brandon Belt, these types. Um, tip of the cab, man. I, again, I don't want to jinx us, but um proud of the way we've uh, surged in recent weeks. Well, you were, I mean, you were the guy behind the Dalton Varsho pickup. Um, I, I, I was mean, that was, that was, uh, that was that was a crazy a crazy swing for us. Um, I mean, it's that was a lucky you know that we sure. we picked up Barsha like when he was just you know hitting like a buck thirty or something like that, and and it wasn't sure we weren't sure how long he was going to be a, a constant in that lineup, and weren't sure if he was going to get sent back down. So he was available on the cheap, and it was just kind of an upside play. And I mean, that one's paid off in spades. As you said in a tweet recently, sometimes better to be lucky than good. <laughs> Always better to be lucky than good. Um, yeah, I just we needed a second catcher. I think I don't know if we were still holding on to Higgy. Sorry about that. Oh, that, that was a that was a revolving door of just mediocrity in that second catcher spot, and uh, we, we got lucky luck. there. Yeah. Also, want to tip my cap to you on Drew Steckenrider. We had a couple wins and then a couple saves, so. Seems like everything's going well. We need we need Brad Keller to come through. Well, this I mean, <laughs> that's a scary one. Uh, the I mean, we got we got our two horses going tonight though, Giolito and Walker Bueller. So, um, you know, I think if, if those guys can hold up, I mean, I'm I'm pretty worried about the Giolito start to be honest. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, we'll we'll hope for the best with those two. Yeah, it should be fun to see how this plays out in the main event. Um, I'm excited, and you had that tweet that I alluded to, and you said like we didn't even discuss taking Bueller in the second or Otani, and uh, I was thinking about it, and actually we discussed actively passing on Otani. <laughs> just the eleventh round was too good to pass up. Can you imagine that eleventh round for Otani in a fifteen teamer? That's wild. But let's get into your top four hundred update here, James. This went live. What was it? Was it last? Um, I put it up. I put it up Monday, Monday, late Monday afternoon. Okay. So Julio Rodriguez, Bobby Witt, you kind of lump together and say it's a coin flip at the very top. Hard to hard to separate these two in terms of long term value. Um, two players who should really be great at the big league level. Yeah, these are legitimate number one overall type talents, and um. You know, it sounds like, uh, you know, I did that podcast last week with Chris Welsh on Thursday when I was filling in for Jeff, and and Chris seems to, you know, it sounds like maybe he's got some intel that we might be seeing Bobby Witt here before the end of the month. Really? And I so, love that. Yeah, yeah. I, I, went to, I went to check if you dropped him in Stake League yet, and you're still, <laughs> you're still stashing, so. Oh, man, there's nobody else worth picking up. <laughs> I figured... <laughs> If I'm just picking up like Victor Robles to put in my active lineup, I just need to keep stashing Bobby. Yeah, but I mean, I, I, we we've kind of discussed this a little bit, but I mean, it you might wonder like why the why the Royals would start his clock when they're not really contending. Um, you know, I think it's it's kind of easy if if you think ahead to the next spring training, 
<clears throat> like I think the Royals are going to be very open to, to win, winning a job out of out of spring training. I mean, they're they're kind of the, you know they just kind of operate differently than a team like the Mariners uh, do in terms of doing right by their players. And if you're going to be open to having Whit break camp with the team next year, there's nothing to be gained from a service time standpoint by keeping him down for the rest of this year because you're just going to get him for the next six years regardless. So you might as well bring him up if you think he's ready. And it, it certainly looks like he's ready. So, um, you know, I, I'm sure Bobby Witt's, you know, I, I – would assume he's rostered in almost every league at this point. Uh, you know, maybe not in some super shallow redraft leagues that don't have a keeper component, but uh, on the off chance that he's out there, uh, now would be a good time to go grab Bobby Witt. I saw Cabert Ruiz homered yesterday for, I think, Rochester, so I'm still still playing the stash game on Witt and Ruiz. Pretty sad state of affairs in the stake league, where I have slipped into buyer territory. Oh, trying man. to uh, dig myself out of that. Don't want to end the streak of eating steaks. Uh, now this next group, you kind of, well, number three through 22, you break into two tiers, 2A and 2B. It seems like, you know, all these guys, this is pretty fluid in this range, and there could be a lot of shuffling in this range over the next year year or so. Yeah, I mean, the, there's a ton of studs in this range. Uh, you know, we still haven't gotten to a pitching prospect yet, uh, three through 22. And, you know, I've Brennan Davis at three, Riley Green at four, uh, Spencer Torkelson at five. I mean, those guys are, they're not quite, you know, number one overall caliber prospects to me. They're kind of your traditional top 10 type of prospects. But, um, you know, that, like you said, this is a very fluid range and i do see a bit of a gap like um got like luis matos i bumped up uh to 11 overall i think he had been in the the teens um anthony volpe is kind of right around where he was and then at, at 12 and then there's there's a little bit of a drop to me from volpe to josh young at 13 and josh Lowe at 14 and robert hassel at 15 uh, Jason Dominguez has really been scuffling at, at low A, but I, I think he's still a top 20 guy. Um, but the, the kind of the big, the big riser, uh, up into this high end range is Brian Rocchio, who's at, at 22. I think he'd been in the sixties, uh, prior to this update and, I, I kind of focused that he was the, the first player I, I sort of broke down in the article um, after th- those top two guys that we, we were talking about. And um, with Rokio, you know, this is, it's a pleasant surprise for me. I, I kind of used to, I used to sort of scoff at the idea that Rokio was a better fantasy prospect than his org mate, Tyler Freeman. Uh, but you know, with Freeman getting hurt and with Freeman, with, with Freeman, it's kind of still projection with, with hoping that the, the double digit homer power comes. Um, he didn't steal as many bases this year as I, as I would have expected, even though that, that hit tool is still elite. But meanwhile, Rokio, who's, uh, I think he's 19 months younger than, than Freeman, uh, he is getting to that power and he's getting to it ahead of schedule. Um, you know, I, I 
kind of always thought both guys were going to end up in the 15 to 20 homer range. Well, well, Brokio, you know, maybe that, that is selling him a little short because he's hit 11 home runs in his last 65 games. And he's got to be the youngest player at double a at this point. He, he's just 20 years old. I uh, recently got the bump up there. Um, and so Rokio getting to this power at such a young age while maintaining the, the strong hit tool while continuing to be a threat on the bases. Uh, it's just, it's really encouraging for uh, projecting him long-term. I mean, I, there's a lot of uh, Francisco Lindor comps out there and I included a side-by-side of those two guys hitting home runs that, that someone tweeted at me, uh, Ben Nelson. And it, it is kind of eerie, uh, just sort of how similar the swings look. And it's it's kind of a similar um, growth that you kind of thought was maybe possible, but you didn't know when it would happen just because they both have similarly sort of slight frames. And I, I don't think Rokio is the next Lindor, uh, at least not yet. Otherwise, he'd be quite a bit higher. But, you know, I think that's becoming a legitimate possibility and it's just been a really pleasant surprise to see the power come as quickly as it has for him yeah ben nelson is right that it is pretty scary how similar that swing is when you put him you know side by side on the same screen between rokio and lindor pretty interesting and uh yeah that's pretty cool i also wanted to just note because you said a couple weeks ago you know, don't read too much into Zach Veen's stolen base totals this year, but you still have him in that 2B tier. So a top 20 prospect for you, even though you did throw out that caveat recently about not not putting too much stock into those 30 bags this year. Yeah, I mean, with, with Veen, it's, it's, it's all about the bat. Uh, I mean, he will steal bases, but I just, you know, I think stolen bases – that's not going to be the the main selling point with him. I don't think unless, I mean, maybe it's possible. I just, I can't imagine his body maintaining that type of speed over the next like three or four years. Uh, he's just, he's such a big guy. Uh, but the fact that he's, he's really surged from a power standpoint of late and we know that he's a, a big OBP guy. So uh, there's a lot to like there, but I mean, I'm still just, I kind of want to see how, how he fares at, at high A and double A just in terms of what the batting average is going to look like. Obviously course field's nice, but um, you know, there's no, no shame in being 20th overall as you're yeah. in your, in your debut season. Now, when we were talking Brian Rocchio, you mentioned Tyler Freeman, a guy that you were pretty high on for a while. You mentioned he's not getting to that same power that Rocchio is. And he's Freeman as Rocchio moves up. He's the only guy in the top 40 here, as you note with the red arrow down next to his name. So anything else you want to mention with Freeman that has him slipping beyond just the uh, lack of in-game power? Well, he just had surgery on his, uh, um, on his shoulder. So um, that's kind of, that's kind of the, the thing. I mean, like if he, if he'd never gotten hurt this year, who knows, you know, maybe he would have tapped into power as the season went on. Um, maybe he even forces a, a move up to AAA. But, uh, you know, just he's not doing anything right now. We we don't know exactly how the shoulder surgery is going to maybe affect his ability to tap into that power uh, next year. So, 
um, just kind of in a holding pattern with him. And and when you're out and you're missing time and you didn't uh, make the type of skill gains that, that I was sort of maybe hoping for this year, you're just inevitably going to get passed by guys who are healthy and are showing those skills. Now we have more to talk about here. We'll get to those players momentarily, but first let's take a quick break to listen to a word from our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Now we are back on the Rotowire Prospect Podcast, sponsored by WinBet. Clay Link here with lead prospect analyst James Anderson. James Blaze Jordan, a name we've thrown out there a bit in recent weeks, and uh, you had him one twenty-seven to start the minor league season. He's now up to thirty-seven. Blaze Jordan is on your latest top four hundred update. Sounds like he's making contact with a lot better clip than you expected in his first taste of pro ball. Yeah, I mean, I I was bullish on him. I mean, I, I still think I was probably higher on him than than most people coming into the season. But I I just thought it was going to take a year or two before he started to make contact at a at a really solid clip, or maybe before he was making contact at a solid clip and getting to the power in games at the same time. But um, like if you had told me, and I really think if you'd told anyone that this is how his first uh, like 25 games as a pro were going to go, both from a a hit tool and a power standpoint, I think it would have been tough to not view him as a top 10 fantasy prospect in that draft class. And uh, obviously his, his pedigree is um, perhaps uh, goes back maybe even further than, than any other high schooler from that class. And, uh, he was one of the youngest hitters in that draft. And so it would have been understandable for him to kind of get off to a slow start to his pro career. Uh, but I mean, I think at this point you just have to view him as one of the best young power hitting prospects in baseball. And, you know, maybe he 
falls flat over this last month at low A and, and he ends up falling down the rankings a little bit in the offseason, that's that's possible. But to me, he's just he's made such a strong first impression and the power is just so undeniable with him that um I'm <laughs> it's hard for me to not get really excited. Now, a guy who's made a similarly similarly impressive leap up the standings, Nick York, you describe him as a completely different type of prospect than Blaze Jordan. You want to kind of explain what you mean by that? Well, right. So with with Blaze Jordan, it was just like, we know about the power. We don't know about the hit tool. With Nick York, we knew about the hit tool. I mean, you never really know about a prep guy's hit tool, but I mean, the, you know, he was one of the top hit tool guys in that draft. And it was just kind of a question of how much power was going to come. When, when was the power going to come? But York has been probably even, even, even someone who was just extremely high on York. I don't know if you could have expected him to be this um, advanced of a hitter this early. I mean, he, he went straight to low A and he's already up to high A. Um, so he's he's probably been better than expected from a hit tool standpoint. And then he's also getting to, to much more power than I would have expected with that aggressive assignment to low A. So, um, you know, he's he's kind of uh, my type of prospect, the, the second base hit tool guy, uh, the type of guy that you, you love to hate. Um, but, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, he's he's on a roll right now. The fact that he's already at high a, um, man, is he, is he the only high school hitter from that draft to to be up to high a already? He might be. Um, so, I mean, it's just been a really impressive start to Nick York's pro career. Now on the pitching side, a guy making some waves at the big league level already, Luis heel. I was told it was pronounced heel. Obviously we see how it's spelled. Do you think, at a glance, it's just Gil, G-I-L. <laughs> but apparently it's pronounced heel. Uh, 23 years old and only three starts, but, it, yeah, zero ERA. Yet to give up an earned run. Um, pretty impressive K numbers, too, 18 to 7. Uh, not so great at the AAA level this year, but you like generally what you've seen out of this 23-year-old. Yeah, you know, I think the um... – the command is obviously the the elephant in the room and uh, maybe he, you know, that it could still be kind of his undoing, but uh, really the thing that is most important for any pitching prospect to me, at least the way that I kind of approach that, that subset of prospects is being big league ready because so much, even when you're like at double A, even if you're just like Grayson Rodriguez and you're just crushing it at double A, um, you know, he could, his arm could break at any moment. And then he has like two years um, behind uh, where he was uh, just, just coming back from that. Uh, Heel is already providing fantasy value right now. Um, You know, he doesn't have a permanent spot in the rotation, but, uh, he's got one of the best fastballs in the game. It's just a, an absolutely monster pitch, and uh, the slider plays well off of it. Uh, the the changeup is is a work in progress, but the fact that he is ready to contribute in the majors and healthy 
and has this type of upside and is having success at the age of 23. I mean, most pitching prospects are not ready to have big league success at, at the age of 23. Uh, there's there's a lot going for him, and there's a lot of room for him to get better. So um, the command could still kind of end up being a, an issue with him, but I think that it might end up being a buying opportunity in drafts next year because people are going to look at the command and be like, I don't know, like that's that looks pretty shaky. Uh, maybe the ERA estimators are going to hold that against him. So if he can uh, stay healthy and, and maybe improve the command just a little bit, uh, I think he could be uh, a really nice value next year. Well, I'll tell you this. If XFIP doesn't like him, James, I, I won't go anywhere near him. I won't touch him with a 10-foot pole. I just want to note here, too, that in that Luis Heel blurb, you, you noted that if Tanner Houck were still eligible, he'd be a top 50 prospect for you. The uh, Red Sox have been kind of gaming the system to, to uh, you know, kind of keep basically a 27-man roster and just ha- have that flexibility with, with Hauk and send him down. That's been kind of annoying. But I've been really impressed with what I've seen from Hauk on the mound. And a lot of people have noted by the comparisons to, to Chris Sale from the right side. And when, when they're lined up like that uh, Rokio – Lindor comp it's kind of scary how similar how can uh sale are but just different arm different hand yeah I, guess. I don't want to put i don't want to put that type of comp on on how i mean the, the the slider might be that good but uh pretty, pretty lofty comp yeah i mean i i'm really torn because uh we were uh, having dinner last night and i was devastated that how got pulled before he could go five innings and qualify for the win because that was basically the only way to salvage what ended up being kind of a lackluster outing for him. But at the same time, I'm I'm not super devastated when he doesn't go out there and, and totally shove because I want the price for drafts next year to be in a nice range. Um, he, like he's the type of guy where if he were to finish the year really, really strong – you might have to take him inside the top 150 and that would, that'd be kind of a bummer. But um, for now, I think he will be for now. I think the price will be fairly affordable. Now, what can you tell us James about Jairo Pomares just turned 21 years old. Sounds like he's a guy who with the lost year just kind of transformed into a different player. Yeah. He got a lot stronger. He got much better at, at driving the ball with authority and his 37% hard hit rate is, you know, that'd be elite for any minor leaguer, but for a 21 year, a guy who just turned 21 at low A and high A to have that type of hard hit rate. Uh, it, I mean, it really supports a lot of the damage he's done this year. Um, there's some stuff you could, you could nitpick. Uh, I mean, I hate referencing bad it, but I mean, his is 450. So, I mean, obviously that's, that's not sustainable no matter how hard you're hitting the ball and his, you know, his plate skills, you know, there's, there's some regression. Like if if he just kept playing with these current skills, his numbers would continue to trend down. Uh, But the fact that he has shown that he's got this power in there, because like my big worry with Pomeris coming into the year was like, we know he, he's got a good hit tool. But he's he's basically going to have to be a left fielder defensively, and is he going to hit for enough power to profile in left field? Well, I think he's proven so far this year that he will. 
Very nice. And in that main event league that we shared together, James, when we were putting in fab bids last week, you wanted to put Aaron Ashby on the list. We didn't end up getting him. We got Brad Keller. Prayers up for Brad Keller. I hope um, I don't have to continue to apologize to you. Um, and that Because, you know, Ashby, I don't know if we'd even have started him, but um, he's a guy who in the bullpen right now probably wouldn't hurt us. Obviously, Brad Keller has the uh, possibility to really hurt us. But Ashby, only four appearances, but, man, it's looking like he's a, another arm that the Brewers have kind of manufactured and, and turned into a real weapon. Yeah, you know, I I was tempted to put him even higher than number 70 overall. And I I feel like I sort of held back because I didn't want it, like I didn't want like any sort of Brewers bias to creep in there, but I mean, you could argue that he's a better prospect than Heal. Uh, the his breaking ball, uh, like his his secondary stuff, are better than Heal's, and his ability to generate ground balls are therefore also better than than Heal's. Uh, you know, he can touch ninety seven from the left side. Um, so I mean, the fastball. I, I'd probably still take heels. I, it's it's a beautiful pitch, but I mean, Ashby's got a great fastball. Um, the tough thing with him is just kind of when, when will the Brewers turn him loose as a true starting pitcher and ideally in a five man rotation, because it, it's probably not going to happen. I mean, it definitely won't be in a five man rotation this year, but he's probably not even going to be turned loose as a true starting pitcher this year. He might, but they've got enough healthy depth right now where they don't need to use him in that manner. And I think they want to use him as a weapon out of the bullpen in the postseason. So uh, it, it probably won't happen this year. Like if you're using him in redraft leagues this year, you're using him for the, the strikeouts and maybe he vultures a win or gets like a multi-inning save or something like that. Um, but the big thing to me is just what will will we be able to use him next year? Um, and if if he starts to look like he's competing for a rotation spot in spring training and might win one, um, I mean, really, the sky's the limit. Like, you know, we've seen what they've been able to do with uh, the big three in their rotation right now. Uh, Ashby would be the only southpaw of that group. And honestly, his stuff is as good or better than the other three guys when they were first options for the big league rotation. Um, it's not always smooth sailing. I mean, we saw what happened. Corbin Burns first attempt as a big league starter didn't go well, even though his stuff was really good. Um, you know, Brandon Woodruff was kind of a surprise. It took a while for Freddie Peralta to be given that role. So you never know how long it's going to take with Ashby, but uh, his ceiling is really high and, he, and he's big league ready. Yeah, you love a lefty pump at 96, 97. He's got a slider and a change. It's small sample so far, 35.4% CSW. And, yeah, I mean, only 8.2 innings in his four appearances, so you're not expecting much length right now, but uh, definitely an arm to, to keep track of. And I was asking you guys the other night, it seems like the Brewers all of a sudden are like the pitching wizards. Like they're the kings of – developing pitching all of a sudden i was wondering if that secretive pitching lab uh if you think that's really like has led to this uh, like renaissance pitching wise for the brewers 
I mean, yeah, they, they do a lot of stuff that's kind of on the cutting edge. Mm. Um, they, they use, uh, these like high tech balls that, that kind of teach guys how to, to spin the ball. And, um, they, they've just got a lot of stuff that they're dabbling in, but I mean, they're not the only team. I mean, like the, the Dodgers and giants know how to do all that stuff. Uh, I believe the Yankees are, are pretty cutting edge on the pitching side as well. So, um, they're not, they, they're not doing like a bunch of stuff that no other team is doing, but maybe they are just doing it a little bit better. And, uh, I mean, track record is really important when it comes to just teams being able to develop starting pitching. It's, it's really, really hard to do, obviously. And some teams are going to be better at it than others. Yeah, man. I, you were telling me yesterday about that, the giants machine for their hitters where they can kind of program in that night's opposing starters, velo and spin and pitch types and whatnot. And they could kind of just get reps basically against that night's pitcher on the machine. It's kind of amazing the the changes in development and technology that, that we're seeing implemented across the game. It's pretty amazing. And that seems to be like a real separator for different organizations because the Giants, nobody expected the Giants to be this good right away. So it seems like not only the work they're doing in the front office, but also tech-wise and in player development it seems to be unlocking something for – the Giants and, and for the Brewers as well. Now you're saying you're taking a big fat L on Dre Jameson. Why is that, James? Well, I, this might be a record for a guy entering the top 400 after being unranked. Uh, he he debuted at number 71. Uh, he went from unranked to number 71. So that's. You know, no matter how you want to slice it, even if you want to say that he's on this crazy run recently since my last big update, obviously I was too low on him entering the year for him to go from unranked to inside the top 75. Um, you know, I, I knew that his stuff was really loud. Like, he, you know, his breaking balls have, have been kind of a big deal for a while. But the fact that he was listed at six foot, 165 pounds, and had pretty sketchy command, albeit in a in a very small sample coming into the year. I just I thought he was going to be a multi inning reliever. Um, maybe you could even say that I should have had him ranked, even knowing that he was going to be a multi inning reliever, just based on the stuff. But uh, he's really kind of put those command concerns behind him this year. That's that's like the biggest thing. Is it's like now I don't think you can make a case that he's not a starter as long as his health cooperates. Uh, 6.4 walk percentage this year. Um, so that's, that's really good, especially for a guy with his stuff. Um, he struck out double digit batters in four of his last six starts and he's going like seven innings in a lot of these starts. So that's really impressive. Um, but I got to give a shout out to, to Jeff Potts over at, uh, at prospects live. Um, he was the one that really kind of turned me on, uh, to, to just how crazy Jamison's stuff has been this year, particularly the slider and the curveball. And I'd, I'd strongly recommend going to prospects live and subscribing to their, their Patreon uh, because they're, you know, Jeff's got some, um, some sources and some, some ways to access data that, that I don't have. And I'm really jealous of, of some of those uh, connections that he's got, but um 
like it's just it's really eye popping when you see the the data on on Jameson's stuff. And what I what I really love is that he's got five pitches, and they all average over eighty miles an hour, and that's that's just going to give hitters at the big league level even uh, fits because you don't know what's coming. You don't have that much time to make the right swing decision. And, you know, I just, I think that it's, it's really exciting to see him break out this way this year. And and I was dead wrong on him before the year. Well, I, I like that you can admit that. And we're all wrong about myriad things in life. And I appreciate people who can own up and, Admit when they were wrong, James. I'm, I'm wrong a lot, so I, I can I have plenty of experience in that. Before we uh, move on, I have to pause, and hopefully you can bear with me, and uh, we can make it through these reads, and then get back to more of James's prospect content. There's one thing we appreciate here at Rotowire: it's making good decisions, and even more so, making the right decision. Listen up, folks! I have an incredible offer for you with Rotowire's newest partner, WinBet the premier digital casino and sportsbook app. WinBet, WinBet is now the exclusive sponsor for Rotowire's fantasy podcast. WinBet brings you all the latest action with a user-friendly interface, money line bets, boosted parlays, over-unders, round robins, live betting, and so much more at your fingertips. Want a break from sports betting? Head into WinBet's digital casino and take a spin on roulette, double down in blackjack, slam the slots, or try your hand at Baccarat. WinBet is currently available in six states, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia, while rapidly expanding. At WinBet, the possibilities are limitless. WinBet is currently offering all RotoWire listeners a risk-free bet up to $500 on your first wager. Download WinBet now. That's W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. WinBet, the exclusive partner for RotoWire's fantasy podcasts. Also, NFL is back on Thrive Fantasy. Thrive Fantasy has over $100,000 guaranteed for NFL Week 1. With Thrive Fantasy, you can eliminate the countless hours of research and focus on only the top-tier athletes that have the biggest impact on the game. Sign up today and get a free six-month RotoWire subscription. Here's how you can claim your free RotoWire subscription. Visit rotowire.com slash thrive. Deposit a minimum of $10 and receive a 100% deposit bonus up to 100 bucks. And finally, play in your first paid contest and receive a free six-month RotoWire subscription. Finally, the new NFL season is fast approaching, and Yahoo is excited to kick off daily fantasy football. Yahoo is also excited to announce that its platform will now be shark-free, James. To celebrate the opening of Yahoo Daily Fantasy Football and being shark-free, Yahoo is giving its users the opportunity to claim free 10 bucks in contest entry credit. Users can take advantage of this free $10 contest entry credit offer to join Yahoo's Week 1 $1 million baller contest. The $1 million baller contest features $200,000 in guaranteed prizing overlay 25% of the players entered will be paid out, including first place receiving $100,000 and an entry to the first ever Yahoo Fantasy Football Championship live finals event, which will occur at MGM National Harbor in Maryland this December. Play daily fantasy football on Yahoo this season. Visit sports.yahoo.com slash daily fantasy slash welcome to claim the free $10 offer. So back to your article here, here, James. Dustin Harris was a guy you were making it pretty clear 
needed to be rostered in dynasty leagues. And um, it seems like there's no slowing him down right now. The, the line drive rate, especially high and really the, the entire batted ball profile screams, you know, potential big league regular. Yeah. I mean, I think Dustin Harris checks all the boxes. If you want to scout the stats, obviously he, is incredibly impressive in every facet of hitting. Uh, you know, he's he's a little old for for high A. Is maybe the one thing you could say, but um, I mean to to be striking out less than sixteen percent of the time, and to be doing as much damage as he's doing, like it's, uh, you know, I would project him to have success as he climbs the ladder. And if you just watch him, if you just watch him. Hit, uh, it's hard not to to get really excited. Um, just incredibly quick hands, uh, incredible control of the barrel, and you know, with with Harris, like Harris and Dre Jameson both went from off the rankings completely to inside the top seventy five. Uh, Jameson, I think, is a is obviously a big L. Harris, I mean, nobody was on Harris. And, um, you know, he was a really nice scouting find by the Rangers. And, like, he's – if he keeps going – like, he's not going to keep going at this rate. But if he just if he just finishes the season well, he probably enters next year as a top 50 guy. And it's just – like, I just don't know wh- where to draw the line on, on how excited to get about him. I mean, like, like part of me wants to just really, really push him um, because I just – I don't really see any weaknesses and, and I want to make it clear that he's got 24 steals, but that's not why he's ranked this high. I mean, I would have him in the top 100 if he had zero steals. Like I I just love the bat. Uh, I haven't seen any, any updated uh, times on, on his run grade. So uh, like entering the year, I think he was thought of as as kind of like an average runner, maybe a tick below. So maybe that's legit. I think he's only been caught stealing one time this year. So maybe he actually does have like plus speed. Um, but I'm not really factoring in the steals that much with this ranking. It's just more about the bat. And then Taj Bradley, you suggest kind of the best of the rest in that Tampa Tampa farm system among pitchers behind Shane Boz and interesting that you know he's gone exactly five innings 13 straight starts you love to see that for guys not even 21 yet already providing that length yeah it's it's really awesome to have that level of consistency to not have a single start in that 13 uh, start run where you just like didn't have good enough stuff to get through five innings I mean that's that's really incredible to me uh Big fastball, big slider, uh, working on the changeup. But, yeah, Bradley is is really exciting. Ian Seymour uh, is also really exciting in the Rays system. I mean, they, they just keep pumping them out. Um, I think it's debatable at this point whether the Rays still have the best farm system in baseball. I think uh, Cleveland is, is right there. The Pirates are right there. Uh, and maybe if you factor in depth, the ra- it's still the Rays. But if we were to just say, like, only guys on the top 400 who has the best farm system, 
Um, it, it might be Cleveland at this point, but um, the Rays still just have an embarrassment of riches. And Landon Knack, new Dodgers top pitching prospect. Is that correct? Slotting in just outside the top 100 on the overall top 400. Yeah, I think it used to be Bobby Miller, but um, Miller is sidelined with an unspecified injury. That's kind of scary. Uh, Ryan Pepio is just having big time command issues. And I am starting to wonder if maybe he's a multi-inning reliever or a, just a straight up reliever. Um, either way, I think, I think Knack, if you're just like looking at like which Dodgers pitching prospect should I consider in my draft and holds for next year, I think it's Knack because he is, he's already 24. He was, he was 23 in the draft in the 2020 draft. Like he was like the oldest uh, pitcher in that draft. So it's not like he's just been um, spending a bunch of time in the lower levels and he's finally breaking out this year. He's, he was drafted when he's 23. Um, he had arguably the best command and control in that class. And he's, he's got the, the stuff really to go with it. So, I mean, I could see a case for having knack, 20, 30, 40 spots higher, honestly. I just don't really know what his weaknesses are. Um, Maybe the biggest weakness is just that he's in the Dodgers system and it's not clear when he would get a shot to be a a legitimate starter every fifth day for them. Now, last year, you and I both criticized the O's for passing on Austin Martin, and I expressed some shade at, I think it was the uh, Tigers who, you know, passed on, I forget who they passed on, but I just felt they were too zeroed in on their uh, on their first round pick this year maybe looking to spread some of their budget around and with Austin Martin you know they, they passed on him in order to partially in order to give Kobe Mayo an overslot deal uh, do you think you're maybe gonna have to eat your words of criticism on on the O's passing on Martin given given Mayo's sur- resurgence here um well it so you were probably you were probably criticizing the Royals, not the Tigers, because the Tigers oh, took okay. Torkelson. Um, so I was talking this year's draft, though. Oh, this they, year's they draft. took oh. um, the guy with the starts with a J. I forget his name. Oh, yeah, the Jackson Joe. Yeah, yeah. Jackson. Um, so I'm, you know, I might not have to eat my words. Uh, unfortunately, like Heston Kirstead, it's been a medical issue with him, um, but. Like my argument was basically, I'll take Austin Martin over Heston Kirstead plus Kobe Mayo, and Martin is is like a hundred spots higher than Mayo, but the shade at Mayo is looking like it was misdirected. Um, he's six foot five, and I thought, like, I think he might be in better shape now than he was as a high school senior. Um, he's just, he's really lean for a guy who's six, five. And I thought he was going to add bad weight this year. That was going to kind of compromise uh, the hit tool. And, um, you know, not only has he stayed in shape and done a really good job with his body, but he's making a ton of contact for a big teenage slugger. And I think the power is only going to continue to grow with Mayo. And um, it's, yeah, he's just had kind of a flawless, uh, debut season so he's just continuing to rise he might finish the year as a top 100 guy and you know the Orioles system 
it, it might not be quite where they they'd hoped it would be when they did select Mayo, but Mayo is has really worked out so far. And Eddie's Leonard sounds like he's pretty much ready for for double A next year at at age twenty one. So looks like he's ready for that next challenge. Yeah, I'll talk about Eddie Leonard and Jorbit Vivas together since they're both Dodgers infielders who opened the air at low A. Uh, they were both kind of off the radar. Um, I mean, Vivas was more known, I think, than Leonard. Um, it's just it was such a deep system that, you know, you weren't going to buy into every single infielder in the system, and they were kind of behind some guys, but uh, the performance for both has been really, really impressive. Um, Leonard is doing a ton of damage in the power department. He's already got 18 home runs this year as a 20-year-old uh, between low A and high A while hitting over 300, over 400 OBP. Uh, Vivas might have one of the best hit tools in the lower levels. Um, 11% strikeout rate with 13 home runs this year. Um, he only had two home runs in 105 games prior to the season. So usually with a guy like Vivas, we're like, well, if the power comes, then he could be an everyday guy, but uh, the power already seems to be here with him. So both those guys, um, both of them were available in a lot of my dynasty leagues prior to this update. So Eddie Leonard and Jorbit Vivas with the Dodgers, obviously it's a stacked system. So, you might be hoping they get traded away. Um, but, I mean, they're both just having massive seasons. And now is the time to keep churning and churn, churn, churn in your Dynasty League and definitely check out this article, rotowire.com slash try for a free 10-day trial to see the top 400 update and also James's uh, piece that goes along with it, his article. I mean, this is the these are the kind of guys you can get now who could – their stock could explode – in the years to come, and Henry Mendez may be on that list. You're going to have to wait a while. He's only 17 years old, but he's been a standout at the rookie level. Yeah, he he basically never swung and missed at pitches in the zone when he was in the DSL, and that got him a promotion to Arizona. Uh, he's an outfielder in the Brewer system. Um, the The contact skill is really appealing. He's struck out more since getting to, to the complex league, but that's not that surprising given his age. Um, you know, most of the guys who are, who have been standouts in the ACL have been 18 and 19 year olds and he's just 17. So I wouldn't hold that strikeout rate against him, but uh, the really appealing thing to me with Mendez is his frame is just so projectable. Uh, six foot two, 175 it's very easy to picture him adding like uh, 15 to 20 pounds of good weight. And if these plate skills that he showed in the DSL are at all indicative of what he's going to be in future years, and he does add that power, then, I mean, look out, like he could just be an offensive monster. So um, really exciting for Mendez. He was not on my radar at all coming into the year. So it's just been, it's been fun to see these guys kind of come out of the woodwork and really have big years. You were kind enough to include some clips from Lucas on Twitter of Randy Vasquez's uh, breaking ball. This thing is absurd. 3,100 RPMs. I mean, that's just silly. How's the rest of the arsenal look for Randy Vasquez? 
Um, I don't have much on the changeup. Uh, it's, I mean, the breaking ball is just ridiculous. Like you said, uh, he's got a mid nineties fastball, throws a two seamer and a four seamer. The the thing with Vasquez is his command really improved from low A to high A. And, you know, maybe that's the, um, the robo lumps maybe play a role in that, uh, down at, at low A, but, um, if if the command that he showed at at high A is at all indicative of what's to come, uh, Vasquez's stuff is just really lights out. So uh, he could be really special. You know, maybe even if it doesn't come along, he could just be an absolute do- absolutely dominant closer. But you know, he's he's far enough from the majors where you're. I wouldn't say you should go all in. I mean, he could still get hurt. I uh, could still get set back in, in that way, but uh, just from a stuff standpoint, he really stands up. Zach Kent's got not one, but two good breaking balls. The fastball sounds like just kind of, eh, okay, but you think those those breaking balls can carry him? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a low to mid-90s fastball, um, but I, I included a video of him, too. I mean, his curveball is absolutely devastating. Uh, the slider's got got really good uh, metrics as well. And I, I just included him because um, everyone else we've talked about so far, I would guess is rostered in all the really deep dynasty leagues out there. Zach Kent might still be available. Uh, I think he's available. I think he's rostered in just 1% of fan tracks leagues. Um, fan tracks is definitely the best place to play dynasty, by the way. Um, Zach, but, just with a K, by the way, Z A K. Yeah, yep, that's good to point out. Um, but I mean, he's he's already up to double A, and he's got forty five strikeouts over his last thirty innings, one two ERA, a eight three WHIP over that span. So like, he's breaking out right in front of our eyes um, over the last like month or so. And I think if he can start throwing more of his breaking balls and less of his fastball and really kind of optimize that pitch mix, uh, he could be, he could be a total stud and and really not many people are talking about him. Now, finally, the last question I wanted to ask you about your article here was you kind of had a little subsection entitled the catcher conundrum. You haven't really talked about many catchers here. So you just, you kind of want to explain this conundrum that you wrote about. Yeah. So there's, I think I've mentioned this a a few times, but like we're definitely having a catcher renaissance this year in the minors. Like usually like I might have like one catcher in my top 50 and another catcher in like the 50 to 100 range. And then maybe like three or four catchers in the hundred to 200 range. Uh, This year I've got nine catchers in my top 110 and eight catchers in my top 80 and it just it doesn't feel right like it feels like it like i i want to bump all these guys down um because i've just i've been so ingrained of just like catchers are just as risky as they come i mean they're gonna you know get hurt or they're gonna get to the majors and the bats just not gonna be what you thought it was because they're gonna be learning how to defend but all these guys are just so talented that it, it's hard to justify uh, bumping them any further down. 
But at the same time, if you have this many good catching prospects, then maybe that means that the position is less scarce. And like, I, like you could probably go out in your dynasty league right now. If it's, if it's a league where like only 300 catching pro or 300 prospects are rostered, like you could probably scoop up Jefferson Caro with the Brewers or Brian Lavastida with uh, Cleveland. And so if you can just readily add guys like that, guys of that caliber, should you really be paying up for these other guys who are consensus top 100 guys? And I think it's just, it's fascinating to me. Um, I don't know really what to do. Like I, like part of me just wanted to have MJ Melendez outside of my top 100, but at the same time, I mean, he's, he's improved so much um, with his hit tool and he's, he's leading the minors in home runs last I checked and he's at triple a like, what more does he have to do to get inside the top 100? So I ended up putting him at 79. Um, but I don't, like, I don't feel all that comfortable with where any of these guys are ranked, really, with the exception maybe of Adley Rutschman at six. Um, these guys might all be just a bit too high. But, um, like, if, if I had Francisco Alvarez or Gabriel Moreno or Kyber Ruiz or MJ Melendez, I would be shopping them if I if I could trade them for a player at another position who's right next to them in my rankings. I think I would uh, just because with this much of an influx of good catching prospects, um, I just don't think they're quite as valuable as they would be if there was only like three or four of them that were performing this well. Oh, that's really interesting because yeah, obviously catcher has been extremely shallow position in fantasy baseball really for the entire time I've been playing fantasy baseball in my life, but maybe it won't be so shallow in, the, in a few years. Rutschman, Alvarez, yeah, Henry Davis, Gabriel Moreno, Ruiz, Wells, Melendez, Soderstrom. Uh, pretty wild. Uh, you'd have to imagine like what a third of those guys move off or more. Maybe a third of them don't even hit, but even so, that's a pretty good crop of uh, prospects behind the plate coming in the years in the years ahead. Anything else you want to mention with the article, James? No, uh, the the ETAs and Team Top Twenties are all updated too. So um, a lot of prospect stuff to to check out on the site right now. Um, not exactly sure what we're going to talk about next week, but uh, yeah, it just feels really good to kind of be done with this this big project. Yeah, congratulations. I'm sure we'll figure something out to talk about and uh, look forward to that. This is really the best stuff in the business, guys, for prospects. So go sink your teeth into it. Rotowire.com slash try for a 10-day trial. The best fantasy prospect coverage in the business from one James Anderson. James, what's your walk-up song for the week? You got one? Yeah, uh, you're very familiar with this song. Um, Buck 50. Oh, yeah, I love that song. Off Buck Supreme 50 Clientel. off of Supreme Clientel. Uh, got, got a Red Man cameo on there. Um, I've been wearing my Supreme Clientel face mask quite a bit. Just love a that. total banger. Um, oh, just the best. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that so. one's got method in it too. And uh, <laughs> who else is in that song? Redman, um, yeah, Redman, 
Redman, Method Man, Ghostface. Is that it? Let's see here. Capadonna, I think. Oh, Capadonna. yeah. Don Don. Of course. <laughs> I've really come around on Don Don. I will no longer I, slander. Don yeah, Don. we were talking about like owning up to your mistakes and stuff like that. I, I got to own up to all my all my Capadonna slander from earlier yeah. years. I, I was I, there, too. In my youth. I had no I idea what I was it. talking about. Sometimes you just gotta own up to that. Though. You just didn't. I didn't get it at the time in my youth, but now I see him for what he is, and he's. Uh, I actually really like Don Don. And he was really influential with with the Wu clan um, before they really hit it big. So I'm kind of glad they brought him into the loop. Maybe I'll have to give some Don Don solo stuff a try for the first time. That'd be a, <laughs> a big step forward in my life. My song is going to be uh, another rock song, actually, but Cult of Personality by Living Color. You know this song? Great song. Uh, and also the theme song, the entrance music of one CM Punk. I'm not a huge wrestling guy anymore, but if you did not see CM Punk's debut in All Elite Wrestling, I recommend checking it out. Uh, I've never seen a crowd pop so huge, James. I mean, that was one of the biggest crowd reactions I've ever seen. And like grown men in tears in the audience. CM Punk was in tears. Um, I was actually thinking about driving down to Milwaukee today to see all elite wrestling at Dynamite. But then I thought better of it. Um, sitting in a amongst a bunch of people right now in Wisconsin where COVID's kind of running rampant. It didn't seem like the best route. That'd be a hell of a way to, to go, James, seeing a wrestling event. Uh, <laughs> but that's that's it for me, man. Cult of Personality. Definitely check out that song if you've never heard it. Great tune. Nice. Well, appreciate it, James. Anything else on your mind? Uh, no, Dre, Dre Jameson just hit me up on Twitter and wants to see a, a – copy of the article so i gotta figure out a way to break him off uh pdf or something like that <laughs> very nice well we look forward to more prospect talk next week hope you'll join us on the rotowire prospect podcast sponsored by win bet
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.